Welcome to Book Notes, the Ohio Channel's conversation show featuring Ohio authors and books about Ohio. Andrew Welsh Huggins has reported for the Associated Press in Columbus for over 17 years. Though he has penned two nonfiction books, his most recent novel, Capital Punishment, is the third installment in his Ohio-based mystery series featuring investigator Andy Hayes. And thank you, Andrew Welsh Huggins, for joining us today. So uh, your third book, Capital Punishment, the Andy Hayes mystery, is, uh, has just been released. Wanted to talk to you about how, why Andy Hayes, how, how did he come about? So when I first started thinking about, um, I've always wanted to write mysteries, and I've always wanted to write a series, and it took me living in Columbus probably 15 years before I felt I had a sense of the city, I felt comfortable enough that I could set a series here. And at that point, I knew I wanted to um, have an ongoing series. I knew I wanted it to be a, a hard-boiled, private eye series. And I knew I was going to have to figure out you know, a distinctive character. I don't recommend naming your character after your first name. I am an Andrew, and he's an Andy. It just was a name that came to me. And if you read any of the books, there's a play on the fact that his last name is Hayes. He was a, he's an ex-Ohio State quarterback. And so he's, his original nickname was Woody. Um, but this was very purposeful. I, I wanted a character that reflected the city. I knew he was going to have to be a sort of wounded warrior type. He was going to have to have a background. And I thought, you know, what better than to play off the obsession with Ohio State football? Um, so that's how he came to be Andy Hayes. So his nickname during his playing days was Woody Hayes. It's actually a name he's tried to distance himself as he's launched this career because he, he has a pretty shady past as a player and he screwed up a lot of things in his 20s and 30s. And so he's trying to reinvent himself and go by Andy, but a lot of people won't let him do that. So what, what drew you to, to his whole backstory? Why go with a, you know, a fallen from the great graces of, of Ohio State football? Well, you know, I knew he, he had to have this sort of private eye, fallen angel background. It's a pretty common trope in mystery series. And I, I wanted him to have a, you know, something that was a kind of a psychic wound. I thought about some other options, but setting it in Columbus, it just seemed natural that even though I think Columbus is starting to outgrow its reputation as just the place where the Buckeyes are, it's still a huge part of the city, and um, unfortunately, there's a history of some great Ohio State players who have gone on to some great things, but like in any sports town, there's some players that had less than great pass, and I just thought, what better way to have this guy have a constant tension in his life as he does his job? He's trying to be a private eye and solve mysteries, but he's always running up into the fact that half the town hates him because of this thing he did his senior year as an Ohio State player at cost him the national championship. It ruined his life. It ruined his team's life. And so this town has a long memory for that kind of thing, and uh, they're not going to let him forget it. Well, it does indeed. L talking about the town, uh, w one of the things that I was, I was just r remarking to my, my wife is that um, it's weird reading a book where you know all the places. Like you can actually, you have a whole different sort of visualization of, of w what is going on. And you're very specific uh, about this, and I was thinking that, I, and w which I enjoyed, but I felt like the town, very much Columbus, all of a sudden becomes a character. And I think um, at, from the outsider, it's like Columbus is like this good generic name, but then you actually show the intricacies. You talk about the different villages. You actually go into a little bit of the history of the city. W was that a conscious decision to make Columbus a big part of the background to your stories? Yeah, very much so. I mean, the the 
chief goal in, in this, as in any book, hopefully, is to have an engaging mystery that people want to get through. You know, as, as Mickey Spillane said, you don't write a mystery for people to get to the middle. Secondarily, I really, I, I love Columbus. I've lived here almost 20 years now. It's essentially my adopted hometown, and I really did want it to be a character. Um, I want people who know Columbus to recognize it and to, and to see that there's some, I mean, to know that I'm being accurate. Um, and I want people who don't live in Columbus, but who might pick it up because they like mysteries, to get a sense of the city. I don't want it to overwhelm the mystery. The mystery should come first. You know, who done it? What happened? But I very much wanted to kind of showcase the city, and I just think it was a, having Andy explore its nooks and crannies is the perfect way to do that. Do you ever get props like going to Buckeye Donuts because you, you mentioned them? No, I, 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 that hasn't happened to me, and I don't think I'd take it. Um, they should. But, uh, <laughs> they should give you free donuts. A Andy Hayes eats five donuts, which I'm like, if you've ever been to Buckeye Donuts, they're good. They're go I heartily recommend Buckeye Donuts, but at the same time, they're, they're substantial donuts. Yeah, well, you know, he's a big guy. <laughs> Works out a lot. So um, I, I've read about how certain mystery writers really take it upon themselves to to confuse the readers to give them a reason to, to get to the end. And I was just reading a quote about how there's another type of mystery writer that says like, I want you to figure it out. I want you to figure out by the middle of the book what has happened, but I want you to stay with the book because of the story. When you're crafting your mysteries, are you looking at the end and then walking backwards? Do you already know the end or are you kind of investigating it while you're, while you're writing it? Great question. So I do know the end generally speaking. I know what's going to happen. Um, I, have a, I have a pretty good idea of who done it, but not always. Much of what I do is plotted out, but in my head. I'm not a, a, I'm not a person who can successfully write down a plot. Now, this is a great divide in the mystery writing world. Do you, do you write down the plot? Do you just start writing without knowing what's going to happen? I have a pretty good idea what's going to happen, but certainly I go down a lot of cul-de-sacs as I'm writing, and I have to turn around. But I also go some places that end up being in the book that I hadn't expected. And I think that's useful because I'm, I'm creating, hopefully, the way people are reading. You know, they, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen, and, and I hope that the reader isn't. Um, my goal in terms of what happened, I mean, that's a great, a great quote you, you mentioned. I hope that people won't figure it out, but if they do, that they care enough about the characters to figure out what the characters are going to think of what happened. I like to think of these, as, as I do them, I really like to think of it as a meal that I'm offering. If I've done my job right, a person takes the very last bite of this meal I presented, hopefully on the last page, maybe even at the very last sentence. So it's completely parsed out. And a lot of good writing, not just mystery writing, but good writing is just um, always leaving a little bit something more to pull that reader on. You know, dropping something here, but it raises a question, and so you need to read on to find things out. You don't want to just throw up a bunch of backstory right away, and then and there's no reason to proceed. I'm reading from the prologue to Capital Punishment, a book about a murder in this Ohio State House. This is from the prologue, which uh, actually telegraphs to something near the end of the book. The context is that my private eye, Andy Hayes, has rushed up to the cupola, to the very top of the state house, to try to save the day. I had to bend over to catch my breath when I finally reached the top of the stairs, which is why the bullet missed me and splintered the wall just above my head. I didn't wait for a second shot. 
I lunged to my right and started counterclockwise around the curved room away from the gunfire. A moment later, exhausted by the climb, I stumbled and fell, dropping what I'd been holding and hitting my head on the worn, century-old wooden bench hugging the inner wall. Staggering to my feet, I touched my forehead with my right hand and felt something warm and sticky. I took a breath and listened. The layout of the room, an enclosed circular walkway, made it impossible to see more than a few feet in either direction. Was I being followed from behind or approached from ahead? I was like a knight in a drained moat trying to escape an oncoming dragon, except that my armor wasn't very shiny and the dragon was more of a snake. The ringing in my ears from the gunshot made it hard to hear above the rock anthem pumping up the crowd outside and far below, and I nearly missed the sound of footsteps. I glanced behind me, reached down, picked up what I dropped, and, ignoring the popping in my knees, limped away from the noise as fast as possible. I just hoped I'd guessed the right way to go. You're a journalist. You write for a living. Um, and this is the, the Capital Punishment is the third, I think, mm -hmm. the third Andy Hayes, but you have two other... Uh, two nonfiction books. Two nonfiction books. Non uh -huh. books. So you write during the day, you come home and write these other books. Is there ever a burnout period that you go through? Um, sometimes I get a little, little tired, but um, I, I have a great day job working for the Associated Press that I really like. I've always wanted to write mysteries, so it's not a huge burden for me to do that. It, it tends to be a long day. I, I get up pretty early. I do some writing in the morning. Most evenings I do more writing, and sometimes, even though I'm a morning person, sometimes the evening is now my most productive fiction writing. I don't tend to write on Saturdays at all, just to give myself a break. That changes a little bit if I'm on deadline with the manuscript, but, um, you know, I, I lead a pretty uh, uh, circumscribed life. <laughs> I, I get up, I write, I go to work, I write, I come home, I write. But that, you know, that's what I've chosen to do and I, I like to do it. Um, so far I'm, I'm holding up. Do you ever suffer from writer's block? So um, I don't suffer from writer's block so much um, since it's my job and I, in some ways it's not an option. I, I like to joke like you never hear bakers talk about baker's block. <laughs> um, but, what, but what I do suffer from is like a lot of writers is what I call writing challenges where sometimes I just don't have any ideas sometimes I am tired and just the brain's not working um, typically what I do in those cases both in my day job and on the fiction is something as simple as I just um, start I just start writing start putting words on the computer screen and it can be literally the, the quick brown dog jumped over the lazy fox, or maybe got that reversed, but just, just to get words coming out of my brain, and inevitably that will lead to something else and that will lead to something else. So what I always advise people when they talk about writer's block is think of it more as a writer's challenge and just practice some of these basic techniques to get yourself over that hump. You know, the hardest thing you're ever gonna do is look at that white screen with no words on it at all. Once there's words on it, that's gonna help you move forward. So your best work, do you think it comes from inspiration or perspiration? Oh, probably the 90%, 10%. I mean, I think I do work pretty hard. My goal is always to have a lot of time left after I finish a draft of a book, um, which means putting a lot of hours in. Um, you know, I, these days I probably put a minimum of two hours a day in just on the fiction writing. Hopefully I've got some kind of inspiration I'm basing that on. But, you know, Elmore Leonard has that great line, if you want to write a book, you've got to put the time in. And I think that's what it comes down to for me. 
So for you, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot about discipline to actually just get it in there. Yeah, or um, Laura Lippman uh, has a great line about um, people say she's disciplined and what she says, well, actually I have manageable habits. And that's how I like to think about it. I set my writing out in a certain way in a day so that, you know, I do have breaks. I don't start writing right after dinner. I usually watch some TV or talk with my wife, we'll do some things. Um, but the manageable habit is after I've done that kind of thing, then I sit back down. Do you give yourself a word count or anything like that? I'm not a word count person. Um, I tend to put in what I call my 90, which is 90 minutes, um, which is, um, there's actually been studies on 90 minutes as a as a chunk of time that's pretty good for creativity after which you need to take a break. I've never been very successful at the word count. Now there's some people who put down a thousand words a day, proceed with a thousand the next day. That works for some people, it just doesn't work for me. Me, it's more of a time thing and making sure I'm on, on schedule for completing a draft of a manuscript by a certain week or month. You're an alumni of, uh, of Kenyon College, which has a, a rich literary tradition. Um, how much do you feel that Kenyon contributed to your success now as a writer? Well, I have to, I have to give Kenyon a lot um, in the sense of it was a classic liberal arts education, which can be really good and really bad. In some ways, it makes you think that anything's possible and you're not, linked, you're not hooked into a particular career route. I do not have a journalism degree, um, but I think I was really well served um, by just being able to study a bunch of different things. Um, specifically, I always like to point out I was a classics major at Kenyon, which means Greek and Latin, and um, Andy Hayes is very much sort of an Odysseus type. He's a wily guy that's constantly, he's constantly getting himself into problems, many of which are his own doing, and, I, and he drives a Honda Odyssey, <laughs> um, and uh, I think, you know, there's definitely some, uh, some influence um, from Kenyon on that. And slow burn, the, the Odyssey was burned. So does he replace that? Later? He does replace it. Yeah, he, he goes through those odysseys pretty hard, um, and uh, but he's he's on his uh, at least third one. And obviously, Andy Hayes features prominently in in Columbus. How much do you think, or can you draw any type of derivative qualities of being in Ohio for as long as 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 long as you have, as it contributes to your writing? Does does being an Ohioan help? you in the creative process or in the, the, the literary process? I would say it does. You know, I'm originally from upstate New York, but I've lived in Ohio a total of at least 24 years now, if you count some time up in Youngstown as well as at Kenyon. Um, I'm really proud to be an Ohioan, and I think my writing is driven a lot by this great literary tradition we have in this state. I just, I feel like there's so many great stories in Ohio. Um, I've covered a lot of amazing stories, good and bad, that I think we're all familiar with in Ohio. Um, crazy stuff like the Zanesville animal escape. Um, there's something about Ohio that generates these weird stories, and I think that does influence me. Now, that's kind of a negative thing, but in a positive way, I do think you know Ohio has a wonderful literary tradition, and um, I, my goal is, I guess, try to be a small part of that. You were a classics major. Why did you decide, you know what, I'm going to try my hand at journalism and then what the heck, I'm going to go ahead and write some nonfiction and fiction books? You know, I've, I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I grew up in a house full of books. My mom let me walk to the public library in our little town when I was six years old. I've, I've been reading 
as long as I can remember and pretty much writing, writing stories as long as I can remember. And um, I think ultimately um, I decided to get into journalism because I saw that as the best path to do writing. And then that, like I said, it, it took me a while to be a journalist before I felt like I had something to say in mysteries, which is something I've always wanted to do. So I think it was kind of a you know, a path that went along the way. In terms of the nonfiction books, those ones on the death penalty, ones about terrorism, those were cases I'd covered as a reporter. And I really felt strongly about, I really felt those would be interesting books. And that's, that's what sort of got me started on the book path. And then, frankly, it was the publication of those books that led my publisher to be interested in a, in a mystery series. So it sort of worked out. Have you had manuscripts rejected? Like everybody, I've got a couple unpublished novels um, gathering dust in, in some drawers that um, aren't, aren't really mysteries. Um, I haven't had a, one of these mysteries rejected. Certainly my editors have looked at drafts and made really good suggestions and just bounced it back and said, let's, let's work on this or you know, let's do better in this part. So that's a testament to kind of, you know, always trying to be better. That, that works. We are almost done, but uh, there is this, this little speed round. I don't know why we call it that. But um, I'm going to ask you a few questions and looking for just short answers on this. And I think one of them you've kind of already answered. Are you a, uh, a longhand or a computer kind of guy? Computer. Computer. Um, where is your favorite place to write? I have a little, little nook, little office at home. And it's set up uh, with tons of books surrounding me and um, a chair where the cats can sit on. And that's where I like to write. Cool. What are you reading right now? I'm reading uh, Fanaticus by Justine Gubar. Uh, she's an ESPN producer who wrote a fascinating book about um, fan behavior in the modern sports world. Unfortunately, Ohio State fans do not come off very well, um, but it's a, it's a great book and I, I recommend it highly. You read more than, than one book at a time? Um, I always have three books going. I have what I call my regular book, which is like the one I just described. I have a nightstand book. Uh, and then I typically have a book going on my iPhone as an as a audio book in the car. Huh, wow, okay. Um, and you keep all the narrative straight and everything More like or less. That. What would you say to your younger self? Get cracking. And don't, and don't be discouraged. Just, you know, settle down, start writing, keep writing. And that is good advice for all of us who wish to get our written words published. And thank you very much for your time. Your new book is Capital Punishment. I suggest actually before you read it, stopping by Buckeye Donuts, getting five and try to eat them while you're reading. Um, the writing is very good, but the donuts will just finish that, that off perfectly. Thank you. Thanks for having me.